Welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. And today, uh, this is a this can be a very tough time for business owners. There's a lot of regulations about who can be open and who can't. Businesses are failing. Some of them are going bankrupt. And yet, there are more business startups right now than there's been for a while. This may be time to think about becoming an entrepreneur. And that's our topic today on our podcast. So, hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and uh, Peter just dropped something. But he's, he's joining me. Uh, Dr. Peter Bernstein, Peter as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost, not almost, he has 50 years of experience helping people in the field of trauma recovery. Our podcast provides practical information and skills for resilience and personal growth during challenging times. Above all, we want to inspire our listeners, we want to inspire you Mm -hmm. to find hope, courage, and strength to succeed and move forward in times of adversity like these. Absolutely. And you know, I want to preface all this. We have all kinds of raging fires all around us right now. The skies are dark with the smoke and uh, people are being burned out. One of our employees had to uh, evacuate from her home at one o'clock in the morning. This is the second yeah. time. She did it two years, two and a half years ago. Yes. And this time, and that mm-hmm. was with her father who was very sick, passed away. And this is with her mother. Her mother is now very, very sick. sick. Yeah. It's a hard time, heartbreaking. And a lot of homes are being burned down. And um, in fact, our little city, Petaluma is a haven for the evacuees, and this is a great city for that. People have a great, a wonderful heart, and we're getting to be good at it, because we've been doing it. We've been doing it for, for a while, and I know where you board your horses has been open to people Rescue. bringing their animals. Yeah, they're bringing their animals in, but this one happened so fast. It was the glass fires that started in Napa, and, uh, but now it's in Sonoma, and um, in Santa Rosa. In Santa Rosa. So we're in Petaluma, but Petaluma's, Pretty untouched, other than the skies are pretty dark. Very with, brown. Yeah, brown with with, with the smoke and the, the cinders. But it's still heartbreaking to see the, the 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 burdens of these crises, these critical times. It seems that they're not stopping, <clears throat> and that's I think that's one of the things we want to talk about today. Um, it could sound like it's a geez, a devastating and hopeless situation, very discouraging because you go you just think you're getting through one or at least making it through and then another comes and mm-hmm. so it's it's tough nobody's we're not minimizing no that. on the contrary i think we're all very touched um we all have our own personal burdens too but i want to talk about something that we have seen uh happening um that really touches my heart and it has for a long time and we've written a number of papers on it and uh They've been around a long time, and to tell you the truth, I'm inspired by our older papers. And uh, but we're we're talking. It's interesting because I read an article in the Wall Street Journal, an editorial called um, "Rising from the pan, uh, the Pandemic's Destruction: A Million New Businesses," and it's a very good article. It's very inspiring, and it fits into the papers that we've written on um, starting a new entrepreneurship. Um, and, and I'll our, talk about that in a minute. Our papers are, were written originally back during the Great Recession, 10, ten years, years ago. ago. And today I updated them, um, and I'll tell you, they inspire me. And they were written during very difficult times for us. Yes. So I, I, I like it, and I uh, appreciate it. But, you know, let me just 
can I do this just to take a, a couple of little paragraphs from the Wall Street Journal? Um, by the way, the num name of this episode is Time for Us to Let Go of Business as Usual. <clears throat> so it says, rising from the pandemic's destruction of a million new businesses. The pandemic forced hundreds of thousands of small businesses to close. He talks about a lady named Marion Schneider, a 22-year-old. Um, she opened up a bakery um, after where she was working, went out of business, and uh, the community helped her get started. It says Americans are starting new businesses at the fastest rate in more than a decade, seizing on pent-up demand, new opportunities, and new opportunities after the pandemic shut down and reshaped the economy. Interestingly, I don't know if you know, but 700,000, they anticipate at least 700,000 older, more established businesses and corporations are not going to open again. No. That's enormous to me. That's a lot of employees, too. And it's millions. And it says applications for the employer ID numbers that entrepreneurs need to start a business have passed 3.2 million so far this year. Um, and that's a lot. The pandemic is actually inducing a surge in employer business startups that take us back to the days before the decline of the Great Recession. Um, the pace of new launches comes amid a wave of business closures, which created an unusually large void for new entrants to fill. The U.S. lost more business during the first three months of the crisis than it normally does in the entire year. Uh, says Stephen Hamilton, an economist at George Washington University. No, he says, um, let's see, applications are growing at nowhere near the pace needed to keep up with the 700,000 firms that Mr. Hamilton estimates will be lost this year. That's a lot. Is that so much? It's, it's almost hard to get my head wrapped around it. But it was interesting because it used, then it talked to people that have started businesses um, out of losing, being unemployed, uh, um, having dreams of things that they wanted to do their whole life. And that, these are very interesting. Um, talks about a trainer who now started a new business, talked about a guy who was a chef because the restaurant he worked at went out of business, and so now he does uh, some kind of home deliveries. Uh, God, there's all, very, they're inspiring. The bookseller, um, she's a marketing, she's now opened up her own bookstore. Let's see who else. There was a therapist who worked for a school district and had always wanted to go out on her own. And the school and district closed. And now she can. She has established a practice uh, with uh, Zoom, things like that. So you're reading these stories, and it's very inspiring because they had nothing. They had no employment. They didn't know what they were going to do. All they had was a dream, and they had their backs to the wall. And who knows if they ever would have done it? Mm -hmm. But this forced the issue. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this article is really, really good and really timely and really inspiring. But it fits for us in the kind of um, studies and work that we did on entrepreneurship. What is that? Well, one of our papers, entrepreneur is a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with a considerable initiative and risk. That's a dictionary uh, definition. And our first paragraph in our paper is you can't linger over what we've lost or the way things used to be. It's time to move on and reinvent ourselves and learn and embrace some new skills. I think the best model for personal and financial success is the entrepreneur. I, I believe that, but the truth is I'm talking from experience. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, longer than 50 years, because I was in business before that. Um, 
and I believe it's the healthiest model. I really do, because it really forces us to look at ourselves. It promotes personal growth, and um, not only do we go after personal, you know, financial success, but it also forces us to take initiative in ways that we wouldn't if we were working for a corporation or somebody else. And we, this is a, t it's interesting. My experience now is there are so many people that have been employed by corporations, companies that everybody thought were just huge, enormous. Uh, wealthy uh, companies and you could never go into business and they're closing down and they're laying off people that have been in business working for them 30 40 45 years and these people are at a loss and the loss is they've lost confidence in their own capabilities they settled for the comfort zone the money was good the pension plans are there the financial security was there but they lost so much of what they were truly capable of and they, 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 they lost their confidence, their capability, their creative juices. Well now, even though it comes through this painful time, what really is exciting, it's a, it's a real adventure these days for some of these folks, um, is they're forced to begin to look at themselves and look at, this is a time when they really definitely look at what they've lost. And I mean, not just money, because some of them have the money. It's what they've lost within themselves. They've found, they've lost, their the confidence about who they really are and what they're capable of. Their creative drives, drives have dried up. So I think this is a very, very good time. It's a real adventure. Um, we've written some great papers. I, I read them, and I'll be honest with you, I'm inspired. Uh, talks about it, uh, being an entrepreneur forces you to think on your feet. I'm a great believer in that. I do it myself. A forced to learn new skills. We just talked about that. And their entrepreneurs are constantly looking for emerging business opportunities as new needs start to show themselves in our culture and our communities. And then they begin to build businesses around that. The best entrepreneurs, and I want to emphasize the best, and there'll be a reason I say that in a minute, work not only to build their own businesses and financial success, they also focus on finding new ways to serve the new needs of their community. That, and when I say the, the best of the entrepreneurs, there's also many others that we've seen in business that are ruthless, exploitive, greedy. A lot of businesses are like that. I'm talking about the best people, and I'm talking about the best foot forward. Um, and I believe that there's so much good that can come out of that for everybody. But they're not just thinking of themselves. They're really looking at the community needs, and then they're building something to meet those needs. And the financial success, could very, it's risky but it, it can come. What I really like about this whole theme today is that it gives us hope during some very dark times. And people are beginning to adjust to a chronic crisis, although around here you don't get much time to adjust because we, then we have one more, another crisis that's astounding because they just keep coming. Um, but that, some, of those, some of those adjustments to me seem like denial. And it's almost getting used to living in a crisis. And uh, I don't always think that's the best thing to do. I, I really don't. I think that people need to be aware that there's opportunities in these times. There's a purpose to all of this. And it's a great, up, it's a great time to, to embrace it. Um, I, also t I also say something, and I want to bring this out because I, look, I'm, I believe in this. And I've been through it. It's a time to find out also where your faith and trust are. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have the financial security pension plans 
and salaries every week coming from a large corporation, whether you're good at what you do or not. Um, so there's a, really an issue of needing to have trust and faith. And I'm not, I'm not talking just religiously, I'm talking about spiritually and personally, because without it, this is a very hard thing to do. And this is a great time to take a look at that, to find out where you really do have some strengths and faith and trust and where you don't. And then when you have the, you know, you have the opportunity in this, you can begin to explore those areas that you don't have a lot of faith and trust. And you begin to look at those and can really start to do some building through those challenges. So there's a great deal of freedom here and opportunity, as you can hear from the Wall Street article. But anyway, don't we have time to take a break? We do. Yeah. See, there, do. she didn't want to interrupt me. Okay, she can, she can. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Today, Peter R. and I are talking about, and our title today is Time to Let Go of Business as Usual. Uh, amid the statistics of the difficult times businesses are going through, new businesses are starting, and people are stepping up to try what, out what it means to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'd like to back up just a little bit uh, and, and talk about what, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm sure it's not an unknown term, but what is it? Is it, is it just another word for a business owner? Um, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? These days? Mm -hmm. Desperation. A little healthy desperation. It may not feel that way at first, but you certainly, um, one of the things about an entrepreneur is there's a lot more risk involved. Because when you really think about it, out of, there's 700,000 businesses going under and hundreds of thousands more getting started in new, fresh ways. That doesn't mean they're all going to make it. But they're all making a fresh start. And they're finding new, more efficient ways, which is really important. I think when you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're taking responsibility for a lot of facets of what you do. Instead of when you work for a bureaucracy or a corporation or a company, you work for what you do one facet of it hopefully really well. But you, you can get to believe, because of the design, that you're really good at a lot of things when you're not. When you're an entrepreneur, you don't have that kind of a delusion. You are responsible for everything. You are your organization chart. You are it. Yes. And you're fully responsible. And that means you got to think on your feet. If you see something, you got to learn it really quickly. And if you make a mistake, you got to correct your mistakes and learn from them very quickly. You're really in charge. And if you have a blind spot or areas where you haven't grown, and we all do, this is going to be in your face. Um, if you're not a leader and you become an entrepreneur, you're going to find out very quickly that you're not a leader. How do you mean? What is it when you say it's in your face? What is that like? Well, there's no turning it, there's no pushing it off onto somebody else. I mean, it's all on you. You make it or break it, it's on you. When you work for a company and there's a lot of employees or a corporation or whatever, you can, you can push it off on some other people. Um, you can you can get away with an awful lot, believe it or not. But when you're not what can you get away with? You blow it, it's on you. You make it, it's also on you. But I think that one of the things we're talking about is 
the nature of a good entrepreneur. Right. Um, and these are people that are not just always thinking of themselves. They're not opportunistic in the, in the way of exploiting people. They're not greedy. They're not ruthless. They're actually <laughs> smart enough to know the community has needs. I have a dream. There's something out here I see I can do, and I can help the community while I'm building a business for myself. They consider all those aspects as they create their business. Absolutely. And I, to me, I love that. I remember when I first started, before I was a therapist and a psychologist instead of a mentor, um, I was a builder. It was a family business. I loved it. Was and that, I'm just going to ask, because your, your family business was fairly large. You yeah. had a large crew. Were you still, is that still an entrepreneurial role that you had? That was. Uh, I, that was. Um, because I had to take lead and take it over at a very young age because my father got sick. But one of the things that I really loved about it was we were serving the community and we were building apartments and homes and whatever. And it really, from out of nothing. And we, we built, sometimes in places that were started off all of Newark, New Jersey, they were pretty dilapidated areas. And I remember we'd come in and take over empty places that were just shot and rebuild and build beautiful apartment buildings that people could live in. It, and it turned out to be really lovely communities. And we did that in a lot of parts of New Jersey. I frankly ate it up, even as a kid working on the carpentry crews as a laborer, and I was a laborer for a long time, I loved it. And that's the part I love to see from out of the ashes came these beautiful buildings at homes and you were serving people and they, they loved it. And I loved it. To be honest with you, I did love the, I did love the building, but not every aspect of it, but I did love that. Um, I went on, in fact, when I later went on to go back to school to become a therapist, a psychologist, I was told, well, now you don't build, and I said, you know, I, I love that business, but I didn't work out for many reasons. And the people who mentored me said, well, now you're building people, mm -hmm. and you're working yes. on helping people. And that was the other part. I would love to see people who are really in trouble come out of it and grow from the trauma and the suffering and pain and grow into better people and stronger people and um, come to be the people they're meant to be. So, I mean, I've, I've been committed to that for an awfully long time. And I, I know there's a lot of ins and outs of it because I've been through so much with so many, but I do love it. Seeing people in physical pain, being able to help them through that, seeing able to see the impact of these traumas that stay with them and being able to get them through that and getting them to feel a lot more resilient and better about themselves and finding their strengths that they didn't know they have. I love that. Mm -hmm. That keeps me going. I'm inspired. Um, I, I remember you trained with a number of other men who, who at times had the same opportunities and many capabilities similar to yours. Mm -hmm. And yet not, not many of them really ended up fulfilling the promise of their training and what they had hoped to do. Were they, were there parts of being an entrepreneur for them that just didn't come together? I could be. I mean, everyone was an individual. I, I didn't follow all of them after a while. I went on my own. But that was the other thing. I was a self-starter. And my education wasn't the only thing that I had beyond, behind me, with me. I, had, I already had had a, a, an ongoing pretty large business with a lot of responsibilities. I was a self-starter. So that's an important, I just want to highlight, that's one of the things that a good entrepreneur must be a self-starter. Well, you can become a self-starter. And I remember when I was first starting after I got my licenses, I thought, well, that's it. And then I rented a beautiful space, but 
there was nobody there. And I had family to feed, and I'm looking at this going, now what? And you know what I turned back to? My business acumen in the years I grew up in New Jersey and New York, and I remember talking to somebody and they said, I remember when I was growing up, my father, who was a pretty tough businessman, he said, when I got, I remember when I got in the army, he says, well, go hit the pavement. And I said, what pavement? He says, go to New York City and go downtown to the business district and start knocking on doors. I said, are you kidding me? He says, no, I'm not, because that's the only way you're going to make it. Nobody's going to hand you anything. And we were pretty wealthy at that point, and he didn't hand me anything. Um, but I remember that's what I did. And I went to New York City, and I started, not that I was familiar with the downtown business section, but that's exactly what I did. And I would look on the high rises and the names, and I would start ringing the buzzers and going up, introducing myself, and I'll be darned. I got a really good job as a stockbroker, and I, I'll tell you, I didn't know much. Um, my family did, but I was not one of the smartest. Uh, it turned out to not be your calling. No, it wasn't, but I made a lot of money for people, but I didn't like it, and it wasn't for me. But I did get a job, and I did get licensed, and um, did, did the state testing, and I passed all of that. And I did get busy, but you know what came to mind when I was a psychologist and I had an empty office? Hit the pavement. Hit the pavement. And you know where I did? I went to downtown San Francisco Business District. I mm -hmm. did exactly the same thing I did in New York City, and it worked. Only this time I was going to help with, at that point, I was at employee assistance programs. Corporations had it. And I went and I said, I'll, tell me what you need and I'll provide it. And I remember they finally, I mean, I'd make calls all day to finally get an appointment. And I'd go in and they'd tell me the problem. I'll be honest with you, I had... I had no idea. I immediately said, I could take care of that. When I did research immediately, and all of a sudden I said, I'll give you a seminar on that, and then I'll never forget some of the times I did. Some of them turned out pretty good, and I was not the most experienced young uh, psychologist on the street, but I built up a really successful, very successful practice. I had a lot of good mentoring, I can't lie about that, and I needed it too. But I knew how to build a business, and that, other than my education and uh, my peers had much better educations, extensive education. Mm -hmm. um, some of them were brilliant people. Um, I had a business background, and I just applied it, and it worked. But I also had gone through an awful lot already, and even at a young age, and that came to that came to the forefront. I had to think on my feet. I had to ask for good. Ex expertise and mentoring and guidance, but then I made the ultimate decisions about my work and my business and people. It did work. It put me through a lot. I had, a, I had to do an awful lot of changing and growing. That was very, very painful. I wasn't in any kind of comfort zone. And that was the other thing I learned. Um, when you're a really good entrepreneur, you're not going to be living in a comfort zone. What is a comfort zone? People who work in corporations and they do they have a good job and they make good money, and basically they're lulled into complacency. They're, they're doing all right. They're making good money. They have a good job, and that's that. Well, when you're an entrepreneur, it's not quite the way it works, and um, you don't live in that comfort zone. And I find that when you do, it's a, it's a, quite tempting, but the problem is that you lose touch with your real personal creative capabilities, and um, you need those. And uh, although I don't think being out of the comfort zone is comfortable, I think it's really valuable. Entrepreneurial folks can't live with the comfort zone. It's a real exciting adventure. There are a lot of ups and downs to it, financially, personally, and otherwise. 
but you can come out growing so much personally, hopefully financially too, and serve the community. See, to me, that was another part of it. When I came out of the world I was in in New Jersey, I, a big emphasis that came out of it is I really cared for people. I cared for my crews as tough as they were, and they were tough people. I cared for them personally. And some people who guided me to this, my new education and my new direction said, you know what, you care about people, and that's the profession you want to follow. I've never stopped caring about people. I've certainly gone through a lot of ups and downs. I was young and very successful. I cared about them. I also spent a lot of my money and um, enjoyed myself, but the truth of the matter is I was serving others. There's a phrase that you hear every so often that you can do well while doing good. And I believe that. I live for that. And in this time frame, with these crises going on, that's what I encourage people to do. What we're seeing, and, we, and this is a reiteration of another episode, and I won't go into it too much, is there's so much anger and conflict and people turning on each other, dangerously so. And I'm seeing an awful lot of that. Um, and to me, that is a heartbreak, truly heartbreaking, because that's not the best thing that should come out of a crisis. Mm. The best thing that should come out of it is the barriers come down, the barriers of pride and unhealthy competition. And what you come out of it is we're all going through this together and you begin to hopefully show empathy and caring for your fellow man. And I really believe that's important. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a good business. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying that you should make some money at what you do. Of course you should. But what really comes first is that you care about your fellow man. And you realize, hey, you're all in this together. We're all going through painful, difficult times together. And to me, that's part of, that's a very important component to find, find, finding success. And when you don't find the financial success, you do find the fulfillment because you know you've cared for other people. To me, that's so important and I am practical as a businessman. Um, I'm not a numbers cruncher. I have other people who work for me who do that. She's one. I'm just one. Yeah, she's only one. There's others. Yes. There's a team. That'll tell you how I work. We got a lot place. of crunchers. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? They work for me and I don't have to think as well as they do sometimes. Anyway, but she's learned. She's one of them. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're on to another break, right? We are. She's afraid to interrupt me today. Go ahead, interrupt. Good. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, Peter and I are talking about entrepreneurship. And Peter, I want to return just for a moment to the article that you read from out of the Wall Street this last weekend. And it was the title, Rising from the Pandemic's Destruction, A Million New Businesses. There were eight people profiled in the article. And I kind of went through to kind of think about what it was that they had taken advantage Mm -hmm. of in this time. Um, One of the things that happened, a couple of people in the article were people who had had almost like a lifelong dream and they decided it was time to pursue that. Uh, Someone else had like a brainstorm, uh, almost, they said they put something out almost as a joke and it it was an online uh, tech thing and 
overnight they had an idea for a new service, an online service. Uh, surprised them. Uh, other people had uh, taken advantage of their current uh, service or product or profession and learned a way to shift it, to change it, to adapt it to mm -hmm. the way things are now. Right. And the last one, the last category, were people who could no longer do their job, but they found that they were good at something else mm -hmm. that was maybe like a hobby, and they turned it into a business. So all these people, they followed a dream, they totally created something new, they adapted what they've been doing all along, or they took advantage of something that they already knew how to do, but turned it into a way to make money. Yeah. Are those all things that entrepreneurs do? These did. And I think during this, this uh, pandemic crisis and around here, fire crises, I, I think it is. I, I think it's these, uh, it's, it's these little sparks of creativity that come up out of desperation mm -hmm. because most of these people had good jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden, the schools closed down. One girl went to school and she was just graduating to become a choir. Uh, she was going to work at a, in, at a church. At a church. Well, all the churches, churches closed down. Meeting. Uh, another one was, uh, there were so many stories. One lady was working for a school district as a school counselor, and the school closed. Right. Gave her a chance to go back to school and become an independent psychotherapist. Good for her. One of them was a mother who, who had her job and was wanted, but she no longer had childcare or her school, and she wanted to be home, and so she made a home business. Yep. That was another way of looking at it. And the truth of the matter is, it's funny how the the communities rallied to help some of them. Yes. Set up these storefronts. Others, family members, they loaned them money to get started. Others took some of their savings. It's, it, you know, it's a very unusual thing because people start getting very creative about their priorities. And if this is something you want to do, you, you are going to make some sacrifices, but you're going to find that there'll be people that come alongside you that will encourage you and help you. I found it, oh, it so many times. Um, but you'll never know it until you have to step out there. Um, you'll never find that kind of creativeness, that kind of uh, that kind of fellowship, that kind of until you have to step out and take a risk. And that's one of the things about being an entrepreneur too is you've got to have you you have to almost overcome your fears and find courage, fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Absolutely. That's right. And there are, I got to say, there are a lot of unknowns right now. Uh, the with the pandemic true. and with the different effects of, of what, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot. And you know what? That's the way life is right now. And that's, through those unknowns, it's interesting what you can begin to extrapolate. It's, it's interesting that even it's through the pain and the suffering, the difficulty, how you begin to see things in a new way and new needs. We, um, as an example, personal example, my wife's been very ill, and um, I've chosen to take care of her to the end of her life at home, at, well, at the Institute, actually, um, so she could be near us. Mm -hmm. and there was a bathroom and a terrace, and we could set her up really nice. We had to learn about caregiving. We had to learn about um, caregivers. Yes. Um, we have a staff of very good people, but none of us were, had the expertise of dealing with dying and sickness, um, not to this degree. And it's interesting how our work and the people coming to us, that's, <laughs> that's what they're asking help about. Yeah. But it also showed us the need that caregivers have and families 
um, how to take care of them, how to take care of themselves, how not to burn out, how not to die before the people are taken care of. The mortality rate, the chances or risks are almost 64% that you're going to die sooner than the people who take care of because it's so difficult without self-care. We began to discover and apply our skills in a new way and began to understand what an ex exceptional um, profession it is to be a caregiver. And the good part with the good and the bad. We were also called in just off the top by uh, somebody in a church who was uh, a paraplegic and they had had a caregiver and the caregiver, we found out, we were told by someone, wasn't doing their job anymore and leaving the person uncared for hours. And um, we heard that and they asked us, I don't know who it was, asked us to come in and take a look at it. Mm -hmm. and you and I took a look at it and we went, whoa. This caregiver is shot, burned out, and resentful and bitter. Mm -hmm. And this other per the person that needed the care was so terrified of letting anybody know because they would feel so uncared for and out. Right. We moved right in, and we began to find caregivers. Uh, we learned about the, the ins and outs of it. We learned it's more complicated than we realized. And then more and more people came to us looking for help. So we turned to our nonprofit. We turned to Steve, our, who was the chairman of it, and said, we've got to open up our nonprofit, not just to veterans, but to all caregivers in, in need. And we changed some of the bylaws, and, and we decided to, because they couldn't afford it, we helped. And we realized it's a very expensive proposition, too. It's, it's something that we've noticed, too. I, it, it's, not a, it's not a secret. There are so many um, older adults uh, so many families with older relatives and uh, what will happen as they near the end of life uh, what kind of care can they have what can we afford uh, the people who want to be able to have their loved one at home don't know how to do it and it's uh, it's going to be a growing need and this is one of the ways that you were uh, becoming it being the entrepreneur that you are you were, you were experiencing the situation, you knew others would be experiencing it, and you wanted to find out how to, to be able to provide a way for people to learn how to do what you were doing. That's right, and one of the things that I also saw was, I, my priorities changed, and one of the things I looked at was, this is a very costly proposition to, to what I do, you know, do for my wife, but I also knew how to work money and get find money and change my priorities and know that I do have a deeper sense of faith and trust than a lot of people do because I've been through so much in business to know it's going to work out. And even though the financial burdens can be very heavy, we have six caregivers now. Um, we find ways to make the ends meet. That's all I can say. And I can, I can seek out money, I can seek out grants, I can seek out lots of things um, to help make sure we got enough care. But a lot of people don't have that I think there's, it's, and it may be obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, that to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to not only be good at whatever product or service that you are providing, you not only need to be good at that, you need to be good at business. You have to have both of those areas covered. I would call it business acumen. I know, good pe I know people who are good at business, but they're not very good human beings. I know, and, and I made a commitment to myself not to be like that. Um, I grew up in a world that phew, I wouldn't, didn't have a lot of respect for the, for the lack of character, the ruthlessness, the greed, it was rough. And I was part of that. And I looked at that and I go, that I don't want any part of. 
did I develop the business acumen and the yeah. sense of what's going on? Yeah, what do you mean by business acumen? It's, a, it's an intuitive sense about what's happening. In other words, I, I'm, I'm the leader, obviously, but to be honest with you, I have a team of people that work for me and work with me. And I give them a lot of room to grow in their own profession, in their own role, and personally and otherwise. And it's really, uh, and if they don't grow at it, I'll challenge them to, I'll put them in that slot that they're struggling with until they master it. Jenny's been like that for years, only she's one of the people that really takes the challenges. I do really try to take them on. But yeah. not everybody's like Jenny. And she's, she's not an entrepreneur like I was, but put her in a difficult, she will sort it out and make good on it. Not everybody's like that. But most of my, most of our staff is in some way. Um, Jenny's our administrator, so she really can oversee. I don't have to know everything. The thing, though, that I do have is an intuitive sense about what's happening all the time. And I can get a sense when things need to be corrected. If I get a little information, and I can figure out what to do and give them some direction. They have the expertise on how to making these, make these things roll. And if they don't, they ask me. So I don't, I don't, I'm not a micromanager. But what I am is a person that really understands the feel of a business, and I like it that way. Um, I love my business, I love our work, and I know with our, with our institute and our company, when I'm not there anymore, it's going to, Jenny's taking over. But I have been watching over her and mentoring her for a lot of years, and she didn't start off as a person that I turned anything over to. No, I didn't And today, think I wouldn't even doubt it. That's how good she is at it. And she's got, she's got peers and colleagues at her institute, and they're very good together. They work a great team. She doesn't have to work just by herself. No, I need them. And they're great. So we, we're able to do that with clinical skills and abilities. Well, I've been developing those for many, many years. Um, today we call it um, trauma recovery. We've developed all kinds of a sense of uh, how to work with the body to help people be more resilient and to come through burnout and trauma and effects. So I've taught many other people how to do it, and, and uh, Jenny's been at my side for many years learning it. So she can teach it. Um, there's a lot of different facets to this kind of thing. But what we're talking about is the adventure of the entrepreneur. And to me, this is the time of opportunity. During this crisis, this is when you really, you're back to the wall, and if you've ever had a dream, and it's in the back of your mind, start thinking big, dream big, and then go after it. Um, Steve's, Steve's wife, our producer, Colleen, wonderful lady, she works for the city, uh, not for the city, but... The Visitor's Bureau. Visitor's Bureau, mm -hmm. she's very, she's the number two person there, she's very efficient. She's very physically fit, she's been for years. She had a dream. Years her, ago, years I remember, years I remember, ago. this is like she 20 wanted, years ago. That's right, she wanted to become a physical trainer. She never really did it, and yet she was working on it a long time, longer than I know. Well, guess what? She's got her job, and now she's got her own business. And this is her opportunity. To, and she has grown and is growing. And one of the things that she's showing is courage. Colleen is not with somebody like me who just pushes out there. She's a frightened. She's got a lot of fear. She doesn't have a comfort zone for no, being where she is. No, and yet she's been willing to step out of her comfort zone because her dream is, you know, life gets shorter and shorter. She wants to do what she's always wanted, and she's doing it, and she's building a business, and she's doing a great job. She's offering a great service. Um, I love what she's doing. She's very capable. She's studied it for years. She's very fit for her age, so she works with middle-aged and older people. 
um, and I think she's doing a great job. And she's building her business. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, it's funny because these businesses usually start, and I, this is in the articles we wrote and, and then also in the Wall Street Journal. With these small businesses, they start small. But they, they don't start with a lot of employees, but they grow. Yeah. And those are the people, as they grow, that are going to bring on more employees. Now, I'm not saying everyone is going to make it, but the ones that do are going to need more employees. I look at Colleen, and I know she's going to have to expand eventually. Mm -hmm. She can't do all this herself. And in the setting she's doing it, now it's very limited. She's doing it, she started just right, but no, I don't think she'll stay with that. I think she'll have to get much broadened out. I think that's great. Now, she's a perfect example of someone who was not one of these brash, aggressive types. In fact, I did it for her. I talked to people. You were her. you were out promoting her more yeah, than no, she was. I, I liked. I believed in what she did, and I go out and show her to talk to people. Yeah. And I did it just like I did when I was in Wall Street in New York. It's very natural for without you. the New York accent and without yeah. being opportunistic and nasty. And um, I gave that one up a long time ago. But to show her, it's okay. You got something you believe in. You see people in need, and they, and boy, we would see it. Talk to them. Tell them what you got to offer. And frankly, I was a great testimonial. I've been in great shape. They didn't know that Colleen hasn't been my training for 50 years. That's okay. But I could go out there and say, this is, I, you I know, know what she does works. It works, and she does a great job. So she's a great example. And there are many that are doing this. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, one of the people in the Wall Street Journal is a, is a trainer, and they would do it on the... Uh, They're doing it online. Online. Mm -hmm. And they, she said trainers were giving it away for free. And she says, well, how are they going to, how do they eat? That's not right. That's she not She says, they've got to make some money. Set it up some way so that they can make some money. So she set something up, and they make, it's not a fortune. No. But she, but she figured out a way to provide a service mm -hmm. yep. for, what, $99? It's cheap. But you know what? She's providing a good service, and she's really enjoying it thoroughly, and it's growing. Yep. I love these stories. Um, I, I, it makes me, it, realize, it helps me realize people can fulfill themselves even through the crises. They can grab the opportunities that they never would have seen or done in more comfortable, easier times. That's a good place to stop on. Yes. I am interrupting now. No, it's good. It's a good place. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We're in our last segment today, and our topic has been entrepreneurship. And I have this is when I get to ask Peter some questions. And my first question is, for those who are in their job that they've been in for a long time, mm -hmm. or for a while anyway, mm -hmm. one of the things you, you do say is that you could start by finding a way to be a little more entrepreneurial in your current job. That's true. How do people do that? It's a good question, and I think it's a really, it offers another, there are opportunities there too. It's almost looking for the opportunities as you're working, and it's having a different perspective than just being an, an employee who basically does his job and is taking care of. It looks for, looks for new opportunities and challenges to improve what you do. And um, that's a good one. I, I just wrote about it. I just wrote, let's see. Uh, let's see. 
Study your opportunities, pay attention to your dreams, and don't be afraid to dream big. But I know I wrote before that. Let me see what I wrote. So I liked it. Um, to have the entrepreneurial spirit, even working for others. So it says, I said, explore your options. Study your opportunities, pay attention to your dreams, and don't be afraid to dream big. I think that that attitude, you can, you can have that working for other people too. It's a lot different than settling into a bureaucratic role and letting and you know feeling very comfortable there and and getting your feeding and your money and and whatever and your accolades but really not having a very good you're not you're, you're not going to find out what you're truly personally capable of this is different even in your role as working for somebody else you're you're looking to grow you're looking to meet new challenges and new opportunities and to share them with your boss whether they like it i don't know i mean that's part of the the social politics of relating, yeah. but I do think that um, there's plenty of opportunities because I worked for people, and when I did, I wasn't. I mean, I always had that different perspective. Now it doesn't always work in every situation. Not every company is welcome. And it forced me to change my PhD when I did a, a, a almost a three-year internship at a hospital. I'll be honest with you, after after two years, I knew that was not what I wanted to do, and they were moving me along. It was called mental health workers and they took the place of psychiatric interns. And I remember they they weren't really liking my initiatives and I was doing some really good things but it didn't fit the system. And they were trying to crush my creativity. And um, I was I was good at what I did. And yet it didn't fit their model. And I frankly took a look at it and eventually realized we were at odds with each other and I was growing and I was seeing new opportunities and I wanted to move forward and they didn't want me to. And I remember I'd asked some pretty penetrating questions about the use of drugs and medications and shock treatment. And I remember their answer was, this is all there is and there's nothing for else for you to look at. And I remember saying, if this is all there is, then I'm, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, maybe it's not, but do you want to eat? I go, yeah, well, you do what we say or you won't be working. And I remember I was hungry and I was taking care of my wife and going to school. And, but I looked at that and went, this isn't going to work. This isn't where you're going to end no, up. No, and about three years I decided to leave and take a risk. And I did, and, and then I became a clinical director of drug and alcohol program. And I didn't want to stay in that forever either, but I learned a lot more and I had a lot more freedom. And then I also had the opportunity to enter a new Ph.D. program and more to my liking. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Second question. And this is not, this is, this is sort of like words of wisdom from someone who, you, who has had many years of experience. Because this is, this is a hard, this will be a little bit hard to grasp or, or describe. But you always tell people to just keep knocking on doors. Eventually one will open. Mm -hmm. If it's not meant to open, it won't. Mm -hmm. How do you know? when a door's just not going to open? Because <laughs> it's not working out. <laughs> you know, um, it's interesting, I wrote this, entrepreneurs don't quit, they keep going. Yeah. That does not mean the doors don't close. It doesn't mean that what you've been focused on and getting to make work is gonna always work. It means looking at that and going after a while, you know, cutting your losses and moving on to something else. I've also been an athlete all my life, and, and I've been involved in boxing. And I used to look at people that I consider real champions, and it wasn't always the people that only had the, the best 
record um, or we were the champions. It was the people I saw knocked down. And then they figured out from being knocked down, and I don't mean just, I mean where they lost their titles or whatever, that they would come back stronger and better and wiser. Um, and I looked at that and I go, now they didn't quit. They learned the doors closed on them. They lost their championships, they lost accolades. But instead of running away and being and, and just giving up, um, they pulled themselves together and regrouped and learned and went back at it in a new way. And then some of them became, many of them became remarkable. Those were the champions to me. Uh, so I'm not saying every door is going to open. In fact, I became a very spiritual man. Uh, I do believe in God, and I go, those doors were not meant to open for me, but there's going to be one that will. And when that door opens, I'm going, I know that's the one to go through. So I'm not saying there's not moments of discouragement or block, you know, where the opportunities are blocked. I've had many. It's just that I know that's not the end. In fact, for the people who believe close those doors think that's the end, they don't know me. And even if, if they shut those opportunities for me, I'll find new ones. God will provide new opportunities. Oh, it never fails. So even though some things have been taken away or, or the doors closed, it always opens up new opportunities for, for better things. Never fails. I think another thing I've seen, too, is that you're usually never working on just one door. No. No, it's true. I learned to diversify. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And that's how we've done so well. And I don't see we're doing great during this crisis, but we're not crashing like everybody else because we're one thing took a big dive. We had other things that came up because we were so diversified. Thank God. Um, but we have we weren't crushed. We learned that from being crushed in the past. So, we you know we're we're not getting rich, but we're certainly not. But destitute. we are surviving. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're in and business. We're serving people. We're taking care of things. And we didn't have to lay well. people off. We actually yeah. hired. We people. actually hired. Some. So I feel good about that. I really do. And I feel that we've been blessed that way. Yeah. And I hope it continues because we have plenty of hardships to go through too. So, you know, balances out somehow. Anyway. Yeah. My last question, and you touched on this a little bit, but I want to come back to it. You said that um, that being in a comfort zone, uh, you lose touch with parts of yourselves, mm -hmm. uh, and that when you can go out on your own, become an entrepreneur, you find parts of yourself that you had lost. You. You painfully, you first of all, you discover the parts you've lost painfully, yes. yeah. um, because there's going to be challenges that you can't, you don't know how to meet anymore. Um, but through that pain, you can be, re, you can begin to rediscover yourself, and rediscover your capabilities that you've actually lost in that comfort zone. So I, we know in our work, we know in our work, we have people coming to us and we're bringing them through this. Very tough. We're not saying this is easy. But it, I have the hope for certain people that I know they're going to come through this for the better. But they have really lost a lot of themselves in, the, in years past. And now they're discovering how much they've lost. How do you mean they've lost themselves? Well, I think there's a, there's a kind of a, an inner capacity for being creative. There's an inner capability to, to recognize opportunities and challenges and to meet them, um, to be creative, I think we all have it. It's just that if you don't use it, and or you're in a situation that, no, they're not terribly interested in that, but if you do this, we're happy with you. They begin to lose who they, a sense of who they, parts of who they are. 
And as far as as long as they're getting paid good, they have a, they have a, a, a secure job. Um, they, you know, to them that's a good substitute. It really isn't. But yet, understanding the human condition, you can know why people do that. But I frankly look at that and go, boy, you're giving, you're sacrificing a lot. And someday, like today, these days, you're going to find out how much you've lost, because where I have to be on the cutting edge all the time. You've been in La La Land, yeah, and that comfort zone has cost you an awful lot. You made the money, but look at how much else you lost. And for those folks who don't even have the money and that either, it's a greater loss. But I'll tell you what I do discover. A lot of people can rediscover, not everybody, but many, can begin to rediscover those parts of themselves that lost and begin to grow again and begin to come alive. Those are the things that are more fulfilling anyway. Those are the things that are going to give them a sense of self-respect and self-value. Um, and it's not about money. It's not about the role you play <coughs> in a company or a corporation. It's who you are as a person. And um, it always entails also having some kind of empathy, deeper understanding of your fellow man, because you can understand their suffering because you're suffering too or you've suffered too. To me, that's a spiritual, biblical concept, and it's real. So I believe that those things are very, very important to the spirit of entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm not talking about religiosity. I'm talking about spirituality, though. And I certainly discovered my spirituality in God during my times of struggle. And even now, when I have deeper difficulties, um, I know that there's a power greater than myself that will give me the strength that I need and instead of worrying about the future, I know when the time comes, he'll give me the strength I need to meet that challenge. That, in some ways, is very comforting to me and keeps me, I guess, it definitely keeps me moving forward. And that doesn't mean it's always comfortable, but I do know it's going to be okay. I have hope. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing I like to convey to people. Keep going. Don't quit. Think, think and dream big and follow your dreams. And if one door shuts, don't worry about it. There'll be something else that opens up for you. Does that work? That works for me. And it has worked for me for all the years I've worked for you. So I appreciate that. That was a good much. thing. This was a great topic to cover today. Yeah, very, very timely, very encouraging. And um, I hope it has been. And if you have any feedback, any questions, I hope that you'll let us know. Um, in the meantime, I just want to again say that we are on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel where you not only get to hear us, you get to see us, you get to see the special things that Steve puts up about where to go for this and how to find that. Um, and it's easier than ever now to get to our YouTube channel because Steve has added a banner banner at the top of our website, the Survivor's Guide to Life.com. All you have to do, if you can get there, you can push a button and you'll be on our YouTube channel. And we have a variety of things to watch, short, long, in between. Um, and so I just encourage you to take advantage of that. Uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Code Trauma Treatment, uh, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations. If you are so moved, please consider donating to them at sctraumatreatment.org. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're on all of the podcast outlets. 
If you have a question or feedback for us, as I said, please let us know. Uh, we are, you can get in touch with me, Jenny, at BernsteinInstitute.com or 707-781-3335. And if you ask for it, I will be very glad to send you a little booklet that contains some of Peter's principles for really classic, timeless principles for how to get through very hard times. Mm -hmm. Steve has done a great job of designing this little booklet, and I'd be very happy to get a copy in your hands. Thank you for joining us, and we wish you all the best, uh, and we'll see you again next time. Follow your dreams.